Testing. 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 One, two, three. Testing. Broke my knee. Testing. Testing. Semblance. Rock and roll. Here we are, nerds in the word. Welcome to late. Nerds in, nerds in the word. Late night. Yeah. Yeah. Late night edition. Late night edition. The tired dads edition, where we get on Zoom at nine fifteen ish and and riff. Absolutely, with the right mood lighting. May I say, it's feeling very chill. The vibe is very chill. I like it. I think that might be the only time, Josh, I've I've used I've actually used the word vibe before. I just don't. I appreciate that. I appreciate. I this is definitely looking like an intimate evening with Josh and Dan. <laughs> fireside chats. <laughs> fireside chats. Just you know, us sitting here with two cats, just talking about the Bible, hanging out, man. You know. Hey, jo- Josh. I have a question for you. I have an answer. Let's see if they match, hey, Dan. Bi- bi- Bible question for you. If it's in the Bible, it must be okay, right? Like, if it's in the Bible, we should just go for it and do it. Do it. Absolutely, man. That's what it's all about. Like, whatever's there, it obviously means that we're supposed to be doing it. Talking to snakes, man. Next time I see, I'm, I'm next time I see a snake, I'm talking to it. I'm a biblical Christian, and that's what I do. I grab any snake that's coming by, and I say, "Don't try to make me eat fruit." <laughs> like, <laughs> Yep. Talking I, to snakes and building boats, Josh. It's what it's it's what every Christian should do. You know why? Why? Because it's in the Bible. Because it's in the Bible. Absolutely. If it's in the if it's in the Bible, we need we need to do it, right? It's that's what I'm saying. It's a model for living um, <laughs> in every aspect. Like if an Egyptian makes you mad, like Moses before us, you kill him and bury him in the sand. Yes. Um, if two concubines come to you with a single child asking you whose child it is, you just threaten it to cut it in half. Like that just seems, yes, the Bible tells us to do it. I've done it so many times. <laughs> so what's, what's, what's the bad assumption underneath this crazy statement that if it's in the Bible, we should do it? Because I know a, a lot of, well, I, w- I know a lot of people who think that that's the way the Bible operates. The Bible operates as a rule book to show us what to do, and therefore, if the Bible describes it, it's probably good, and we should probably then do it. I think the bad assumption, well, there's, well, there's more than one bad assumption, but I think there's at least two bad assumptions with that. The first is, like, only someone who has never read the Bible would actually make a statement like that. Yes, at not very <laughs> reflectively. Yeah, because the, the the Bible is full of crazy, despicable stuff. There's all sorts of wars. There's violence done against men and women and children. Like it's not. It's 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 certainly not a a book that you want to introduce to your three year old and then read it in the KJV every single night. Like right, you you, you don't want to talk about Jephthah. To your five-year-old. You just don't do it. I, not anymore. There was the one time. <laughs> uh, well, you do so wonder, I, like, some of those psalms where they, they like, they sang psalms and they chanted psalms. They have yeah. for centuries. Where, how, what tune do you sing the phrase, dash their infants against the rocks to? Ooh, yeah. I think that's a pentatonic scale, Josh. And that's the one. 
I see it. I see it. I just yeah. I, I, I gotta find it in my ear here. One second. <laughs> Testing. Uh, for for all for our listening audience, I was trying to do my best Mariah Carey, but you couldn't you couldn't see that. It was amazing. Mm. It, he was so high up on the scale, it didn't even like we couldn't record it. <laughs> it didn't even register. It didn't even register. Yeah. And so, so. I, I would say that like. However we approach the Bible in general, and then I would say Old Testament narrative in specific, we have to recognize that the Bible isn't a book of do's and don'ts. And it works on a far deeper level than just propositional truth. Uh, so it, it's, it's more than rest on this day, eat this type of food. The, the Bible, I mean, you, you were a fan of show and tell in kindergarten. Did you do show and tell? I, I dominated show and tell, man. I rocked it. Dude, I, I, I once brought my ant farm into show and tell <laughs> and, then, and then spilled it. <laughs> wow. I love that. That was a bad day for Dan. That was a really bad day. For everyone. Yeah. Wow. wow. Except the ants. I mean. The ants. Being on the, being on the carpet in a kindergarten classroom must have been fantastic for them. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think sometimes, like, the Bible doesn't always want to tell us what's up. It simply wants to show us what's going on, and then it expects us to begin to connect the dots, understanding that as we read Scripture and prayer, God works on our hearts and minds to change us into the types of people who can actually read the Bible responsibly. And so, like, as we think about, like, some of the ultimate examples of crazy things in the Bible that people like to claim as something that the Bible endorses, mm. which you know, doesn't, doesn't necessarily seem like it. And so for instance, like, like how, how many wives did King David have, Josh? Well, he had one named Michael. Yes. Mikkel. I think it's, okay. isn't it Michael or Mikkel? I'm sure I don't know. it's Michal or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. It's like Michael. It, it, it's, it's the CH it's, that, that's way back in your throat. It's a sound. Yeah. Yeah, that one back of the throat. Um, and so we we know he had what eight named wives, eight uh, named wives. Yes, but like that's just the named ones. Huh. He he could have had many many more. Probably did have many more as kings do. His dad Solomon or his son Solomon outdid him completely. Yes, right. many uh, times how, over. Yeah, many times. How many wives do you, do you remember? How many wives King Solomon had? And I want to say like several hundred. Yeah, like 700. 700 wives. But like, that's not even counting his concubines. Mm, okay. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's 700 wives, 300 concubines. It's, I mean, this is, this is crazy. I, I can't even imagine his water bill. It had to have been crazy. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess his weakness wasn't food or alcohol. <laughs> 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 So, so, so some people would look at this and say, like, well, clearly polygamy is in the Bible, and so polygamy has to be okay, right? People have. I mean, you, you've probably heard that. You've probably, probably heard, like, the classic 14-year-old who's read through Samuel King's once saying, I know a thing or two. Polygamy is in the Bible. Ergo, this is my future. This is what I'm going to do when I grow <laughs> up. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Right, so, so with, with that in mind, let's let's read First Samuel one verses four through eight, and just I just hear how the Bible describes polygamy. So, this is the story of Hannah. 
on the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously and irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it went on year by year by year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart so sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? That's the most guy way to, like, completely write off your wife. Like, aren't I enough for you, baby? Like, look at all this you have here. The riches. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, uh, yeah, that's the question. Does it does it portray polygamy polygamy positively? Uh, yeah. So yeah. like this is this is a question that all of us have to have to, to have to wrestle with. Like the the question isn't just is it in the Bible? It's how does the Bible describe it? Mm-hmm. Like I I don't I don't know. First Samuel one doesn't doesn't necessarily lead us to a point where we say. This seems like a great life decision for us. Yeah. Well, and and I would argue, I mean, over time, the change in society that led to a monogamous relationship, rights for women, all these things had its germination in gospel principles. That's where it came from. (laughs) Which, which, Which had its origination... In the narratives of Genesis, Exodus, First and Second Kings, uh, Samuel and Kings, and so I, I think it's interesting, Josh, that the uh, like when, when the Bible is describing something that is not ideal, maybe even something that's downright despicable, it doesn't always tell us. Like, there's not a narrator popping up all the time saying, "Well, dear reader, this is a bad thing," mm. like. You know, Benina shouldn't have been provoking her other wife this way. And Elkanah Mm -hmm. should have been more responsible with the way he treated Hannah. It just, it tells us the story. And then it assumes that as readers, we are responsible enough to actually figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. In my mind, the Bible is brave in that it trusts its readers to actually read it and to figure it out. Uh, and so like, let's just, let's just go through some, uh, some popular Bible characters and like what happened to them when they uh, had more than one wife. So like Abraham, right? He has Sarah and then later has Hagar. Is, is that, is that a good story in your memory? Right. Well, the part with uh, kicking Hagar out into the desert with her six year old son and, and nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I I want to say the the hallmark shine on all that kind of <laughs> wore off. <laughs> uh, like you you have you have uh, Jacob, so he he has Rebecca and then he has Leah, which mm-hmm. is an absolute disaster. 
So mm-hmm. not only does he have two wives, they're sisters. They're sisters, yeah. And that, one is very jealous of the other. Yeah, yeah, already. That, like, yeah. woo, walk into can that. You, <laughs> can you imagine Christmas? Like, that's just not, that's not easy. And so that, that, that's, that, that's a complete disaster that absolutely melts down. Uh, you have David with loads of wives and lots of different sons from different wives. Like, does David's life play out well because he has an abundance of wives? Well, and yeah, and the kids, like David's kids yeah. were like the most angry, spoiled, trust fund babies ever, for yes. the most part. Not all of them, but for the most part, they were just jerks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's because dad was busy fighting wars and fighting with his other seven wives. <laughs> well, I mean, I even had a professor one time in seminary who said, in a, in a very worldly way, but he was looking at why on earth David chose Solomon to be his heir apparent? And he's like, isn't it interesting that of all the heirs he could have chosen, he chose the son of the newest, youngest, prettiest wife that he had. Uh, and he was, so he was going on and on about how uh, like men in the Old Testament aren't always portrayed well. And this was an example of that. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I think, again, so like David and his many wives is not necessarily a, a, a moral lesson that we should say, yeah, I'm going to follow along with that. That seems like a great life decision. I mean, even Solomon has 700 wives and like it, it, it doesn't go well for him. And in mm-hmm. fact, the, the, the first time we ever encounter polygamy in the Bible, it's with a guy named uh, Lenech. And he has, I think, seven wives, if I remember off the top of my head. And it just, it doesn't go well. It's a complete disaster. Which leads us to believe that whatever the Old Testament is, it's far more than just propositional truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a three dimensional wisdom to it, and that and that is in a sense why why the Bible is still around because of the yeah. narrative, because of the that's story. such a good part point. You know, like because of because of people working out what it meant, you know, through the centuries. Um, I think if it had been a bunch of bulleted points, um, bulleted points don't stick around, you know? <laughs> and they, they don't work. And it's it's messy. And I think of this, like, when you, when you bring up, like, patriarchs like David and um, Jacob and others, like, you know, Abraham, you know, you think of, like, People think, well, Father Abraham, you know, if I went back in time and went there, I could greet him as a brother and say, Father Abraham, blah, blah, blah. If You, you have many sons. Right. Many sons you have, Father Abraham. Yeah, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Right arm, right arm. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and if you went and did that, Abraham would kill you. <laughs> like, he would kill you out of defense of what he was doing. <laughs> and then probably ask you questions after that. Like it, yeah. it just was not like these were not like cuddly people. These no, were, not at all. These were people that 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 God was working through almost at their pace. Like, <laughs> um. So yeah, yeah, and I and I would say yeah. I mean, a, a wisdom source, a nar- a narrative source. Absolutely. I, I think that it's it's a an appropriate step for any mature reader of the Old Testament to, to understand that whatever the text they're reading is, 
it's 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 not simply about what are the rules and how do I follow the rules. And again, to you, to your point about like bulleted points, like the only set of bulleted points that happen in the Old Testament are the original Old Testament, the original Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. and Moses smashed those because he didn't like them very. No, I'm just joking. Um, but like what, whatever, like. What, Whatever the Old Testament is, and especially, again, let's be more specific, whatever Old Testament narrative is, it's not, it can't be reduced to something as simple as like propositional truth. These are stories that need to be read and then reread and then thought through and then cast against the outline of our own lives to understand and give us wisdom for how we are living up to God's standards or failing to live up to God's standards, how to be wise, how to... Um, be, act less foolish, and so I, I, I think in in all of this, like uh, the, the the Old Testament is is asking all of its readers a question about polygamy, like is it given given the the storylines of all the patriarchs and all of all, all of the kings, does it seem wise for anyone to have more than one wife? And if you follow the story arc, it certainly does not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it's you know over and over again. It doesn't. It doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. <laughs> which, which again leads us to this place where this, as the story of Scripture begins to be the story that we live in and humble ourselves against, we begin to realize. Oh my goodness! This is not. This is not, as Jesus said. Like this is this is not the way it was from the beginning. Anytime we wander off uh, the path of wisdom, like scriptures are to bring us bring us back. And so, as we think as we think about polygamy, I would simply say that. Well, isn't it interesting, Josh? That really the only people who ever ask me this question are thirteen to eighteen year old teenagers. And that's a, that says something to begin with, doesn't it? Now, well, but I, 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 I think I think tongue in cheek we can say that the, the the Bible is not here to necessarily give us rules; it's here to give us wisdom. Right. Uh, the Bible was written in a context where polygamy was very normal, and yet, however it portrays polygamy, it's certainly not a a, a raving affirmation of the benefits of it. And very much the opposite is happening. It's undercutting it on every level. And that, that, that's meant to teach us something. And I would say it's something that us as 21st century Americans have benefited from because the, the, the one man, one woman setup has actually been very good, not only for society, but for, for child rearing. And I'm not trying to get political. Um, I, apologize, yeah. I apologize if I'm even getting there. Um, but I think, I think that however the, the Bible talks about having more than one what, clearly it's it's not the ideal, and clearly there is a different way that God had set up for us. And if the Bible were making an argument for polygamy, it's not doing it very well. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Pax Humana. Cheers. Cheers.